Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me on this week's pod to look ahead to Saturday's fiery red-hot derby with uh, local rivals Gillingham. Uh, uh, arguably our cup season, uh, our cup final of the season. I don't know what you think about that, Nathan Muller. How's it going, mate? You all right? Uh, yeah. cup, cup final? No chance, mate. <laughs> yeah. Absolute no chance. I think there's more rivalry between us and Fleming Carlisle than there is us and Gillingham. But I know some people see it as a local one, but for me, I just see him as a nothing tin pot club. But anyway, I've had a good day. What about you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. I'm just, <laughs> just enjoying some grapes. And, uh, uh, well, another news. Another news. I might. I don't want to tempt fate here, but I might actually have internet next Tuesday at home. Really? Yeah, I know you're shocked as I am. I've been there three months, but anyway, yeah. I'm not going to tempt fate. So um, fingers crossed. Well, again, um, anyone listening in Gillingham will be yeah. deadly jealous of you if that does go through. But um, they've got no, yeah. they've got electricity down there now. Yeah, have they? They've, oh, and running water. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything. We take the mic, but I'm sure loads of our listeners probably live down that way. I just literally just thought that to anyone yeah, I... who's offended, I, I actually love Gillingham. <laughs> I love the stand that's made out of scaffolding. And <laughs> love it. I'm only, well, from Sid Cup to there, it only took me about half an hour when we went down there in the season. We are close, but yeah, no, they don't have electricity or anything. Uh, a man who does boast electricity in his house, I believe, is uh, Lewis Cat. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, good, mate. You are right. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, well, do you have electricity? I've just assumed there. Yeah, yeah, I do, mate. Yeah, on the on the right side of Kent. No, nowhere near the... Uh the Gillingham end of it luckily excellent so, stuff well on uh, that so border of safety yeah so as we said any any uh, listeners offended by our, our hammering of, of the Gillingham area please email at studio at Charlton Live and uh, we'll make note of it so uh, on tonight's show uh, we will be looking ahead to that game uh, with the Jills uh, before that with a couple of bits of news this week and you know, that the, the, the wage cap being removed was probably the biggest story of the week for me uh, so we're going to hear what Lee Bowyer thinks about that also some news on injuries uh, or recoveries hopefully for Akin Fainwell, Jake Forster, Kasky um, and like I said we'll look ahead to the Gillingham game as well all the while hearing from Lee Bowyer on this evening show and let's hear from him uh, almost straight away as you may have seen uh, this week it was announced that the uh, wage cap which has been a uh, bit of a, a difficulty for Lee Bowyer. I think that's one way of putting it uh, throughout the season. It's been uh, decided that actually uh, they're not going to have it anymore. It wasn't really fair on the players telling them that they can't earn as much as they want in their job. Uh, so it's been got rid of. Uh, so Lee Bayer was asked about that today and he was asked whether he was annoyed that not only that it's been got rid of, but it's been got rid of just after the January transfer window has closed. It just shows that it should never have been put there in the first place, doesn't it? Um, that doesn't help us though. I think we was the club that got affected by it more than anybody by a long way. Um, that's plain to see. Because we came down and we lost 12 players and we weren't able to to bring in the players we first wanted to. Um, it affected us. But the, the most important thing there is, is that they've, it looks like we don't know what, what's going to happen at the moment. Um, the ins and the outs of, of, of the decision that's been made but 
most important thing now is that once we do find out, then we can start building again. Um, in the summer, it'd be no different. I'm guessing, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm guessing we'll probably lose another 12. So <laughs> seems to happen every season. Obviously, we've got six loans, so they'll all go back um, to their clubs. And then we'll be able to do business how we actually want to do business without restrictions because we had a lot more restrictions than other clubs did. So, um, so yeah. Or well, hopefully we'll be in a different division and it doesn't even matter anyway. And the conversation <laughs> yeah. we're is a waste of time. So that's that's the plan. That's plan A, Terry. So, um, but yeah, it's just a shame that you've got bought in in the first place in, in my eyes because it, it definitely affected us this season. In the short term, though, will it uh, will it assist you to, to maybe you were talking the other week about uh, converting a few loans into into permanents? Will that help? Uh, yeah, but that wasn't never a problem anyway. Um, we we had a little bit of money left back from from the cap, so um, so we are trying to, to to turn at least one of them loans into a permanent. Um, but again. It's not always that straightforward. Things ain't never straightforward. So, um, but we're trying and, and, and we'll keep trying and hopefully we can get one of them over the line at least. Um, I just wanted to ask another quick question about the, the salary cap. Um, obviously, it should help, as you said. Does it help in terms of contracts that are coming to an end? Does it help in terms of being able to renew them and offer sort of competitive wages? Not really, because agents now nah. if it's going to benefit anyone it's going to benefit agents because then now nah, they just get greedy again um the the one thing that the salary cap done was for us to be able to say will you take this or nothing um but that obviously limited us to the type of player that we could bring in so there's pros and cons to it but the, the, the thing that we have to be careful of is that we, if we offered someone a contract today and they decide to change their mind again and put that cap in, then that affect next season. So I think we have to wait and, and see what unfolds with all the decisions because there's still going to be restrictions. There was restrictions before the salary cap. Um, it's really complicated. We ain't got time to go into it now, but there, there's a lot of restrictions. So, uh, but yeah, we, we have to see what the outcome is when it actually starts. Uh, if they change it, when it starts. So, the contract situation at the moment, we don't know what division we're going to be in. Um, so, it, so it's difficult to to nail too many people down, or if anyone. So that was Lee Bowyer talking about the abolition of the wage cap. Um, and yeah, the frustration being that it did come just after uh, the January window. And obviously Bowyer says there are other limitations that, that, that can play a part. Um, but Nathan, I mean, it's it's been uh, it's been slowing us down, our progression, what what it could have been uh, under, under Thomas since he's come in. So, you know, and, and there will be clubs in this division who would have been very much for it because... You know, and, and this isn't this isn't uh, being uh, harsh on them, 
but they don't have as much money as us. You know, we've already discussed how they don't even have the internet in Gillingham. You know, they, they, they wouldn't be able to spend as much money on players as we can. So therefore, it would be an advantage for a side like us and a disadvantage for a smaller side who have spent within their means and, you know, have done well, but have have been able to keep up with clubs like us because we haven't been able to go and spend a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. I think the whole thing's... Um... Shamble, to be honest with you, I think I was trying to think like in our group yesterday, trying to think of a, a comparative, and I don't know. Like let's say you, you get through life, like you know, you shop at Asda. I've been there before, no no qualms in it or whatever. You shop there, you know, budgeting all that and the other, and then all of a sudden, just said, "Oh, you're actually rich. You've come into a money, and you could have shopped at Fortnum and Masons in your life." You know, you, some people might be down for that, but the thing is, I just think it's enough. So we've scrimped and saved and moved things about and try to stay in this cap when we didn't actually need to. And the other teams had an advantage, which Bo's already said before. He's had They've had that advantage of starting early and we've just had to sort of grab the amount of signs that we could um, earlier in the window. Obviously, I think January is a bit more measured. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just madness, really. And I just think it's such an un, unlevel playing field now. And it's just typical that it comes out. Whether or not it was tactical or not, I don't know. But it's amazing that they do that after the window shut. Um, but, I mean, I don't think it's any time for us to be start getting messy on the back of Charlton shirts, expecting him to come in the summer by a long stretch. But I think it, our business probably, or it may have been a little bit different, especially with permanent signings. I don't know what the, you know, the um, the hurdles that are still in play, but there'll be a, I think it'll be a lot more lenient that we were dealing with. So it's frustrating, but it, I can't say it surprised me anymore. It's an absolute shamble. Yeah, I mean, there's always uh, difficulties with the, the timing of any announcement, I guess, because don't forget, you know, as we know, this this wage cap was first introduced whilst the the window was already open. I think so. Yeah, in the summer, teams had already done a fair bit of business when we weren't allowed to. Obviously, that was, you know, I hasten to say that was our fault, but it was Cholton Athletic, the the whoever was owning them at the time, that we were in a problem of of their creation, and therefore we were punished for poor management of our club by whoever it was at the time uh, but it is effectively our fault that we weren't allowed to do that business then so it was an it was another thing that sort of hamstrung us a little bit and, and it, it, it'll be interesting to ask because I think surely we, we have to say that has played a big part in what we can do this season because we've only been able to spend up to a certain limit and other clubs if they did their business earlier were able to spend a little bit more Lewis and that that surely means it's it's been a bit of a Again, possibly our own fault because of the transfer embargo at the time, but it's been it's been a bit of an uneven playing field because of when it came in and now, you know, the fact it's come out after a, a transfer window probably makes it slightly fairer than if it had changed halfway through when players might have been sold or whatever to keep within the budget. But uh, it, it's caused such a mess, hasn't it? And it's, um, you know, I, I'm personally, I think, glad to see the back of it. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's a really positive announcement uh, from our side, especially because we do have that sort of financial backing now that we've we haven't had for so long, uh, and we're able to to deal within our within our means and, and what we can afford. And it felt, as you said there, and, and Nave touched on, you almost felt like you were being punished for being better off. Like now we've we've finally got an owner that wants to invest and and put money in to the club and properly support the management team. Uh, which is something that that Bo and Jacko and, and Steve Gallon haven't really had. You know, they've had all sorts of hurdles to overcome. 
And then typically, as soon as we get an owner in that wants to spend the money and, and support them where he can, you, you've got another hurdle of a salary cap. And you're totally right. I think the way it was introduced um, in that window, it's like Sod's Law that it came in um, you know, as we were in the embargo. And, and as you say, teams were able to do their deals early because the season's uh, ended sooner. You know, We didn't finish our season until the end of July. So we, we got off the back of relegation, we lost, you know, upwards of 10 plus players and had to rebuild in a very, very tough market under very tight constraints. And I think, you know, now that I think the, the damage is done with that, we, we couldn't really have helped it in the summer because of the position we were in as a football club. But it's definitely going to help now with that salary cap being removed. Uh, you'd like to think it will help in the summer when we when we get into that position where usually we'd find ourselves rebuilding and losing you know 10 plus players in the window and trying to replace them where maybe now you know if these players are are worth it and want to stay here um that we'd be in a better position to negotiate contracts with them that are more suitable uh, and more appealing for them to stay with us because i think before that we were we were totally reliant on promotion and that was kind of an added pressure really you think if you're if we're in this league again next season under the under the salary cap and you've got all those players out of contract you know the lights of chucks and Jake Fostokaski, uh, Ben Amos, you know, the list goes on. Um, it would have been very difficult to tie them down again. Um, but now, hopefully, um, with this being the case, we'll be able to do something with those players and and also with some of the loanees. I know it's been mentioned recently about trying to get some of them turned into permanents. And I think the salary cap would have been a huge hurdle before that. Uh, now it's been removed. Hopefully, it will, uh, it will improve our negotiating power. And try and provide a little bit of squad stability as we go into the summer, which is something we haven't had for such a long time. So yeah, it's a positive move from my, from my point of view. Um, and, and I think it's a, it's a welcome move by everybody, but um, it's just frustrating that we were, you know, hampered with it at the start um, when we could have done with, uh, you know, a bit more support when Thomas first came in to rebuild a squad, but we are where we are. Um, and it's a positive. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. It's interesting, of course, Nathan, that Lewis mentions there the renegotiation of contracts. Um, you know, Chuck Zanike is a big one that, that a lot of people will be interested in at the moment because he's, he's our best player and he's coming to the end of the deal. Now, you know, Bo did say in that clip we just heard there about how, you know, it's, it gives agents more power because they're able to now ask for more. And I mean, it, it was explained to me that even before the cap, I mean, you could offer a Chuck Zanike twice what other people are on. It just means you'd have one fewer player to offer the other the, the other set of that money to and you, you you'd give two players worth of money to one player if that's how you wanted to do it so it was still workable but this this gives you a bit more flexibility um do you think i mean surely it must mean therefore that we do have a better chance now of keeping some of these players and and you know as lewis mentioned the amount of time that our squad falls apart and needs rebuilding i mean Bo said it himself we, we are going to lose players this year anyway because of the loanees leaving, and I'm sure there'll be out-of-contract players who we don't want to keep. Um, but that stability in, in, in a squad is something we haven't had for so long, so long. Especially under Roland, we were chopping and changing every six months, it felt. you know. And even this year, people have spoken about how we're the, I think, the club with the who've used the most players in League One so far this season. I think, I think that's the correct number, the correct stat. And for me, settled squad is always going to be a better squad. Yeah, of course it is. Um... And it just like you were saying, it just gives Bo and Steve and you know Thomas and God that little bit of wriggle room, so to speak, in terms of contracts. Yeah, Chucks. You know, I don't think Chucks is going to be sitting there and just because this has been lifted, he's going to sit there demanding hundred grand a week. Um, but it at least makes us competitive in a, in a in a market where we can try and keep that nucleus of a squad, like you said, 
that we never had before. Most of the time, you're looking at players that, uh, you know, look the nabbies of this world that have gone and who are on higher contracts and and we probably weren't able to match. Would we have matched it? I don't know if we were in that position, but people like Dylan, um, would he still be here if if this wage cap or the, the cap itself wasn't enforced? Who knows? But um, I, yeah, I just think it offers a lot more flexibility to the to the recruitment team and it could probably, it probably would have broadened their horizons in, you know, uh, the, the recruitment we've done. I mean, the the flip side is that we wouldn't have been able to see Omar Bogle play for us, which was an experience. But listen, it, I think once they can, they've got more chance of tying a chucks down and his head isn't going to be turned. Yeah, there's going to be agents going to be clambering for money. But until that gets regulated, which is another topic altogether, that's going to be, that's always going to be in play. But um, like you said, it's just a bit annoying that it's happened after, and we've always, you know, we've that's the they're the cars that we've been dealt now, and we've just got to get on with it. Um, I still think we've got a good squad, considering. Um, but yeah, for sure, I think it it, it can only be seen as a positive um, in terms of our strategy going forward. Mm. What'll be interesting now, Lewis, is how Thomas wants to play the game because I mean, if there is no wage cap, there, there's now going to have to be a balance to be found to to not overspend out of your limits what you can't really afford in the long run uh and and finding that balance with also actually making sure you do get the best squad in the division so it's 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 going to be interesting to see how thomas wants to play is is he going to sort of uh you know throw caution to the wind in in the summer transfer window if we're still in league one and just buy loads of players at you know however much he's allowed to go within the the financial fair play rules or you know will, will will he play it slightly more cautious you know build build sensibly um and obviously the the risks that come with that as well yeah i think more than likely be the second i, th- I think he'll play it fairly cautiously because i think that that lee Bayer and steve gallon would do that anyway regardless of the uh the salary cap being lifted i mean Bo always says that re- regardless of the cap you know he'll only bring in a player if they make us better and with with what's happened now with the cap and and the agents you know being mentioned the demands going up and everything i think it it leaves a bit of a sour taste with bow when agents are demanding silly money and and sometimes that can be a deal breaker as well so i think they'll be fairly cautious in who they bring in uh, and the money they do spend i think that there'll be a case for some of the players that are out of contract in the summer to earn new deals i mean jake forstakaski this season for an for an example has been like completely reborn isn't he you know he's had a couple of years where he's struggled with injury and then this year you know touch wood that his hamstring um isn't too serious now and it's just a precaution but he's had a fantastic season and he can show that you know what sort of player he can be when he gets consistent game time and and a run in the side and he's someone I'd like to see kept on and you know Adam Matthews is another one and Ben Amos there's a lot of, of options and some of the squad that we do have now are good and I think, as as Bo said many a time, we only bring in someone if they're going to improve us. And if we can tie down some of those key players that are out of contract in the summer, shift out some of the people that maybe don't have a future here uh, and bring in uh, you know, a, a stable amount of players that are going to improve us, then we're in a brilliant position. But one thing I think they'll be cautious of is, is agents and clubs sort of uh, putting the demands and their fees up a little bit because they know that we've got an owner like Thomas who has money to throw at it. Um, and I think that's that's another obstacle that we're going to have to overcome because it's it's different now. You know, before we were kind of relying on some favours and some loans, and now it's a case where other clubs will look at us and say, "Well, they've got a stable owner, an owner that wants to spend money, an owner that's already spent money 
uh, on the football club and, and you know, stabilising the damage that was done before, um, investing in the women's team and, and is showing a real interest in, in getting this club back to where it belongs. And sadly, I think other clubs will try and take advantage of that and will we'll put a little bit of inflation on some of the asking fees for their players. But that's something that, that Bo and Gallen will have to deal with uh, as and when it comes about. Yeah, it still feels so strange to be having conversations like this where we're actually talking about a stable uh, ownership. And, you know, I think we mentioned like, on, on Sunday that, that acquisition of the women's team as well. I mean, it just shows for me, like, it's a massive statement of intent that, that Thomas wants to stay around and, and be part of it. You know, he, he want, I think he, he wants to get the women's team into in, into into the top division and, to, you know, he want to make them full-time and, and probably professional and, and all these things down the line. I mean, these things are, are big, big commitments. They're not something that you do overnight they're not something that you do uh, if you're Matt Southall and you're, and you're Tanun Namir also something you don't do if you're Matt Southall apparently is pay your builders uh, as I found out yesterday I don't know if, if anyone saw uh, on my Twitter yesterday I, I shared a story uh, where, where Matt and, and his wife had been taken to court uh, over a disagreement, a breach of contract with a building company, he's, he's ended up with quite a hefty uh, little bill out of that one, over a hundred thousand uh, pounds, near one hundred and fifty is what I'm hearing uh, in terms of uh, legal fees and uh, un- unpaid bills as well. So yeah, uh, it's it's just bizarre, isn't it? Trouble seems to follow that man out uh, around, which is uh, you know shame, shame because he seemed like such a nice guy when he first turned up. Right, let's have a break on Charlton Live, the big match preview. When we come back, we'll uh, hear a little bit more about Jake Forsykowski. Just mentioned. Uh, and Akin Fainway as we talk about a couple of injuries uh, that we hope are clearing up at the Valley. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. That's good work from Nico to win it back for Charlton. Ball across into Shinny's pass. Shinny into the penalty area, trying to get it across. He does to Morgan, yes! who scores and finishes for Charlton and puts them in the lead here at Portman Road. Lovely work by Williams on the far side and Matthews and equally chucks Nico to keep it alive for Charlton. Eventually, Shinny managed to get into the penalty area, ball back across, looked like it might have taken a deflection into the path of Albie Morgan, who buries it for the Addicts. Charlton Live. 
Welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview on your Thursday evening. Don't forget, we're looking forward to the game with Gillingham uh, at the Valley. I think we're still confident it's going to go on. The pitch has been covered uh, despite all the snow we've had uh, around these ways uh, this week. Uh, you've enjoyed the snow if you're able to get out and about in it. Um, I was honestly just staring out the window. I don't think I think I took one little walk to the co-op and I fell over and that was it. So I'm, uh, I sort of uh, was a bit too scared to go out. But uh, Chuck, solely the cat went out in it and she surprisingly enjoyed it. So. Uh, good for her right uh, I mentioned we were going to talk about injuries now um, we, we've been speaking about uh, Jake Forster Kasky his name pops up in this little clip as well but of course uh, one player who we've all been eager to see back in the side as soon as possible uh, is Akin Fainway now he played uh, for an hour I think it was uh, for the under 23s uh, during the week and Terry asked Bo uh, during press day today uh, how Akin came through that yeah yeah he's come through that okay which is good um, he, he needed it He's, he's been out a while, a um, little bit rusty. So, um, yeah, it was good to get him them minutes. And most important thing is, uh, is that he's come through it OK. So, yeah, he's good. Are you planning to do some more under-23s before throwing him into the squad or is he ready now? Um, I'll, I'll see. I'll have a look at him today, see how he is today. Um, again, I don't just want to chuck him in the deep end. He has to be ready. Uh because if you've been out that amount of time and then you just chuck them in, then they could either break down or not do as well as you expect or everybody expects. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he, how he is over the next couple of days. Speaking of breaking down, we're slightly scared with Jake. Jake Foster-Cassie, I see that uh, he said earlier on he had a out of a scan because um, central hamstring injury, but he's come through out OK. But does that mean he's going to need a bit of rest? See, with Jake, the most important thing is that he hasn't nothing came back on that scan. That's that's the, the, the positive. Um, he's played a lot of games um, in a short space of time. So, uh, yes, he's been playing well, but he didn't train with us on Tuesday. He, he was uh, with Piercy, just jogging, jogging around. Um, so, yeah, I, I'll have to see how he is today. Got to try and look at the bigger picture sometimes, but you have to trust that the players, they know their body better than anybody, um, especially when you've got that experience of, of what Jake's got. So I'll have a discussion with him um, after training today. I'll obviously look at him in training, see how he, how he goes, how he looks. So, um, yeah, obviously we don't want to lose him with a, with a coming into the running. So, uh so, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to him today. As you say, it's the bigger picture scenario because, I mean, now with apart from uh, Ryan Innes, you've got a pretty pretty much full squad to pick from. But, you know, that doesn't explain the situation where we, all right, the next few weeks we've only got Saturdays, but then, as you say, the running, it, it'll be two games a week right to the end pretty much. So, um, people like uh, Jake and, and the youngsters, you've already rest Ian Martson and, and you're going you're gonna to guess that, the other 18-year-olds in the squad or the young guys in the squad are going to have to do the same. So we'd all have to pick a, a settled side and I'm sure you're, you're no different. But uh, the situation doesn't necessarily call for that at times. Oh, in an ideal world, we, we played well on Saturday and you don't make too many changes to it. So uh, obviously, Jake's been playing well for us for, for a while now. Um, he's been a positive in the middle of the park. Um, he stepped up. When, when we had a few injuries in that department. So, uh, but I have to look at the bigger picture. I always try and do that, Terry. I always try and look after the players the best I can. 
even at times it might weaken us, you know, like I've done it with Chucks in the past. I've started him from the bench, but um, knowing that, that we're weaker starting, uh, but I have to look at a bigger picture and it's paid off for us of late because now Chucks is fit all the time at the moment. So uh, touch wood that continues that we keep managing him, him the right way. Uh, but it's the same for all of them, you know. Um, if there's any doubt, then then you can't risk them because it's it's, it's the wrong thing to do um, for the team and, and and for us as a club going forward. There we go. Some in- interesting stuff there from Boyer at the end about about rotation, and and I think we'll have a little discussion about that as well, actually, uh, Nathan and uh, Lewis, if, if if that's all right after this. But I mean, first of all, the importance of not rushing back Akin, and we'll talk about Jake in a sec as well. I mean, Bo, Bo was going to have a look at him today in training. Um, he, he's been he's been ultra cautious, isn't he? Uh, with with not with not playing him Nathan too soon, uh, and you can understand why because I mean, we we don't want anything that will risk him um, being caught out and, and you know injured again, and and we'll lose him for another few weeks. No, exactly. I think we've. As much as we all want um, Akin back and Ryan, who you know they were stalwarts in that run that we had. Um, and in fairness to Deji, I thought last game he was brilliant. I've I've been quite critical with him, uh, critical of him, um, which I think was fair. Um, but he had a good game last week. But I think everyone wants to see Akin back. Of course we do. But I know it's the same old record and. You know, he said, Bo says it a lot, but I, I do agree with him that you, if you rush him back, because if he rushes him back, let's say he plays Saturday. For all I know, he could play Saturday, I don't know. But let's say he doesn't, we shouldn't really play him. And then he's out for another six weeks because he breaks down. Everyone's going to go, well, why did you play him? So, and I think he's one of those positions where we've got by, um, we've come this far. So why, what would another week do? Do you know what I mean? It's not... It's not the be all and end all. It's not like it's the playoff final or a playoff semi final, and you you could risk him. We've got loads of games coming up, and and in a run where we want to start getting those wins on the board and picking up the points. So, um, yeah, I can see why Bo hasn't risked him. I wouldn't. Um, I think we, like I said, we've got by. So I, I don't think there's any uh, uh, a big enough reason. Uh, it's not like it's a crunch game. I know it's the the red hot derby, as some people want to call it. <laughs> Absolute nonsense. But yeah, it's not a big enough game for me to risk someone of Akin or Ryan. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the red hot derby. I think was uh, Tony just... Hart, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was during a, during a, a pre match. It must have been with either Russell Slade or with Robbo or someone saying, "Oh, the red hot derby." with Gillingham coming up this weekend and that sort of stuck with us really uh, hasn't it now uh, we also heard Lewis there uh, Bo talking about Jake Forster Kasky um, little bit of a uh, potential I was easy hamstring you know having a little scan on it and I don't nothing's come back from the scan by the sounds of it but again you know he's a player who's put in a lot of hard work over the last the last few months and he's really grown into into his role again hasn't he you know remember that that long time out he had injured in in the promotion season a couple of years ago uh came back towards the end of that played a bit bit part in the in the championship i think it's fair to say played well in some of the games he played i remember when he played left wing back at fulham i thought he was absolutely excellent uh, but this year he's really shown his importance for us again in that midfield and um you know it Again, you don't really want to risk it. A player that's certainly worthy of 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 a of a rest because he's worked his 
Uh, he's worked his backside off over the last few weeks. Yeah, 100%. I think um, with Jake, you know, we, we know what his, his injury record's been like over the last couple of seasons. And I think to get the game time out of him we have so far has been really good. And obviously now with this with this hamstring niggle, although nothing has come back from the scan, you pr- we probably are in a better position to rest him. You know, it's not ideal because he, like you say, he's been performing really, really well. He's been one of our, you know, he's been like a man of the match performances throughout. He's probably been my player of the most, well, most of the season, really excluding Chucks. I think that he's been fantastic. So I, I think that it, it does make sense to rest him because if we lost him um, for another long-term injury, it would knock his confidence big time. And also it would affect us as we go into, you know, another congested end of the season. The run-in's going to be pretty intense and we're going to need as many players fit as possible. So we've got options there. You know, we, we got uh, Matt Smith in on, on deadline day. So he's an option that can cover if needed. Albie's been playing well. Ben Watson's come back in recently. Uh, Prattley as well. You know, we've we've got options in midfield. Shinny as well. Like There's loads. So we we probably can afford to give him a bit of a rest and, and it'll probably benefit us in the long run rather than taking the risk with him and then him doing something to his hamstring and being out for, you know, six to eight weeks or whatever during a really congested run-in. So I think as much as I want to see Jake play every game because I think he's been fantastic for us and I, I hope that he earns a new deal at the end of the season because I think he's future captain material. I really do. Um, I'd rather that he, if he missed one game and it just gave him a bit of time to to rest up and make sure he doesn't got that tightness in his hamstring, then then I'd prefer to give him a rest this week. And that will definitely preserve him, um, you know, for the for the run we have coming up and, and a very congest, uh, congested fixture list that we've got uh, leading up to sort of the end of the season. Mm, yeah, and again, again, a lot goes into how Bo wants to protect his players. And now that's why I just wanted to have this conversation, actually, Nath, about the rotation of players, because it's something that I think has been a bit of a bugbear for some fans. Now, I'm not talking about... You know, obviously, when a player is injured, they have to come out. But Bo does rotate his team quite a lot. Um, and now, as far as I'm concerned, he does. He, he will only do it because of injuries. You know, we know with Chucks, he's not going to play every game. Unfortunately, he's not in that position. Uh, you know, one one that caught my eye recently was Liam Miller was was uh, dropped for the first half of the Portsmouth game. Um, you know, don't forget that that was a game that got moved back by a few days. So it's basically he had, he had a week off there. Um, so some might have suggested I want you know and don't forget none of us get to see what Liam's stats are in training or anything like that or how he's feeling but some might have felt oh surely that's being overcautious if he's had basically a whole week from the Milton Keynes game until the Portsmouth game because of the postponement and and still been let off but with Bo do you think he can be overcautious or do you think in the back of his mind he's always thinking about that horrendous injury crisis we had last month and the likes of McCauley last season sorry and the likes of McCauley Bond coming back too early and picking up another knock and, and I'm sure it happened with other players as well I mean you understand why Bo finds it difficult to make these decisions and, and, and sometimes probably acts with his head rather than his heart in terms of who he wants to start in a game I do, yeah, I really do. I think I don't know what the correlation will be in terms of um, the stats and stuff like you were saying, but we um, we had a good run at the beginning of the season where we had more or less a settled team. We definitely had a settled back four, um, and they were playing week in week out, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, and then now two of them have been out for a long time. Is that because of the amount of games we play? I don't know, um, but I think I I can understand the frustration because. I think winning games breeds confidence and confidence obviously breeds, you know, wins. And I don't really like to see it changed around. But I think if you look at the big picture as 
not just on this season. So we had last season, which was a bit of bit surreal, where it was sort of rushed to finish. Then you had a bit of a shorter pre-season, and then you had the big run of games at the beginning. And it's only starting now to sort of level out and smooth out. So I can see that. And, you know, you can see when we lose key players, we can keep forcing them to keep playing. But when you lose them, you really notice it. So I can I can see why, why he rotates it. But then I can also see the the opinion why it's frustrating. And he, he's made the most changes in the league, I think it is. So... I can understand why he does it, even though I'm not a massive fan. I can see why he does it, um, and I don't. I think you'd probably have to say you'd have, you'd probably do the same if you was in his position, because again, if he doesn't and he keeps playing, like we've just talked about, Jake. Jake's played consistently the last few games, and he's only not just come back from a big injury, but he was out for a considerable amount of time, so he could be sore because he's playing on these. Pitches. Look at the, the the recent pitches that we played on. They've not been great. They've been very heavy. Um, and I think, like you said, in terms of the stats nowadays, the sports scientists like Josh Josh Hornby and stuff, they'll be looking at you know the zones that they go in, the amount of minutes they get, which is probably where it fell for um, Miller. Probably, probably didn't want to rest him because he's been playing great. But once you hit those zones, those red zones, you're risking injury, and you either just gamble. And hope he don't get injured, or you try and play a little bit cautious. So I, I think Bo's done the right thing for me for sure. Excellent stuff. Right, uh, let's have a look at some tweets and emails that have come in. Uh, only emails actually this week because I never bothered actually. Well, I didn't not bother. I was just too busy before the show to tweet out inviting some uh, some uh, views ahead of the game. But you know, do feel free uh, ahead of uh, Sunday show after the game to tell us what you thought of it. Uh, email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk or you can tweet us at charltonlive uh, and we'll uh, read out your opinions on the performance, however it goes against Gillingham. Uh, we'll read that out on Sunday show. Right, Phil, uh, looking ahead to the game, says hi guys. Uh, hoping we can get that essential run under away with another three points on Saturday important to keep the formation we had last week as we always look stronger with a flat four across the midfield concerned that Jake Forstakaski may need to be rested uh, as the improvement to our recent performances has definitely coincided with Jake uh, getting back to his best I'm sure uh, had he not suffered so badly with injury last season uh, we would have stayed up we know we're in for a physical battle uh, and a long ball bombardment uh, as are the only tactics that Steve Evans knows let's make sure we give as good as we get and make better use of the chances we create uh, if we keep our shape and compete I fancy a 3-0 victory come on you addicts that's from Mr Phil uh, cheers to I'm enjoying that positivity and yeah we'll be looking forward uh, to that Gillingham game even more so uh, after the break but we've got um, messages in from both Jonathan West and Adam Biggs from the Charlton Upbeats I uh, hope you both uh, well and now uh, Adam's basically just laid it on the line he says do you think that Charlton will go up again through the playoffs so Lewis Adam's question is will Charlton be in the playoffs this year and do you think we can go up via them Let's hope so, Adam. Eh? After last time, it was a it was a great day out, wasn't it as well? So let's hope so. But yeah, keeping keeping my fingers crossed is what is the best way to go up, isn't it? Really? Yes, yeah, certainly is. Certainly is. So cheers to Adam and to Jonathan and to Phil as well for all your messages. I hope you guys are all well. Thanks for getting involved. Now before we go to the break, actually Nathan's got a couple of uh, uh, announcements that he's like to make, and he's obviously already had the exciting one about his new internet. But <laughs> yeah, how, how do you follow that up, Nathan? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, nothing, you know, it's going to be a lot more exciting than the internet. I just think I'm just relieved, I think. But, um, yeah, no, in all seriousness, I'm, uh, I've just tweeted out, I've I've, seen, I've tweeted it before, but 
Um, I'm going, uh, me and my family and a couple of friends, we're just doing a walk for my little nephew who um, who was born unwell. And we're raising money for Evelina Hospice, who were great with him. I mean, a couple of years ago, we walked from uh, to all the South London football clubs, 20-odd miles, which was, uh, and then we finished out the valley, had the pictures there. Um, and this year we're doing it again, but we're not doing the football grounds. We're just walking from the from the hospital with Evelina in Waterloo back to where he lives, um, just trying to raise money because they've done an amazing job. Um, so any donations, no matter how big or small, will be great. Um, so yeah, that's on my Twitter. And then Excellent. lastly, yeah, I've, ju- I've just shared, I've just shared the uh, the tweet for that on the Charlton Live. Sweet, if you'd like to get involved with that one. And then and then the other one, which I've I've just seen Jacko's put it out, is a race for Europe, which we're raising um, money for, obviously the trust. Um, so basically, cycling, running, this was just everyone, the big Charlton team, all the miles get added together and then the, the quickest team who get, uh, so all the London football clubs are getting involved, the quickest team that get to the race trip, which is 6,000 odd miles, um, win, I think they would just win the win the money. Um, I've retweeted that, that as well on my Twitter, but you'll probably want to go to Johnny Jackson because he's a lot better looking than me. So I would just, ch- again, if you want to get involved, uh, Tracy Lieberman's just involved as well and just said that we're middle of the table at the moment and Watford have got 21 people signed up and we've got 13. So if you can follow that link, join up, get fit, raise money for the for the trust and then um, hopefully we can come out as uh, winners. But um, yeah, that's it, mate. So retweet away. Lovely stuff. So some good causes to get involved with there. Right, let's have a quick break. Uh, When we come back, we'll start to look ahead to the game with Gilligan. and then Washington and Stockley combine it's back with Washington can he get the ball in the box he can to Stockley no just beyond him finds Miller though will he take the shot he does and it's the goal John take the lead 17 and a half minutes gone and a fully deserved one at that yeah totally agree Tell this time they make MK Dons pay John have pressed really really well in his opening 17 minutes we spoke about the opportunities they should have created and nearly had one through Darren Bratley just a minute ago this time the ball on the right side lovely ball in from Washington and again, an overload on left-hand side. Stockley could have got it. Instead, he leaves it for Liam Miller. And that's a lovely finish from the Liverpool Loney. Charlton Live. Well, welcome back to Charlton Live, the big match preview. This is the final part of the show. Um, before, I mean, before we look ahead to that game with, with, with Gillingham Lewis, I mean, so, some of those results in midweek have, have, have stood out for me now. Obviously, all the talk's been about um, the, the games in hand that other sides have. And uh, on Twitter as well, I very conveniently didn't pay attention to any of the teams that won. Um, but there have been a couple of teams that have games in hand that lost. So Accrington uh, were beaten at home by Plymouth. Um, Sunderland were beaten away by Shrewsbury. I think Doncaster suffered a loss as well. Um, we've had this conversation, you know, games in hand aren't points on the board. I think when, you, when you're the team that doesn't have the games in hand, neg- negatively you think, oh, that means they're going to pick up all these points. But 
with with this this run that that's coming up now for a lot of sides where where they're going to have very busy period whilst we've got a few weeks off like in terms of midweeks that that's going to be very interesting in a month's time to see where we see it and see how many of those teams are able to continue that form that they've showed throughout the course of the season with these relentless relentless fixture lists coming up now yeah exactly and i mean we were in this position uh, back in sort of november time weren't we with some games in hand and it didn't really do us any favours. We didn't we didn't come out of those any better off. I don't think we won any of them. You know, we had a real bad run. And it, it did sort of go in our favour on Tuesday, as you say, with Accrington dropping points, uh, Sunderland dropping points. Hudden Lincoln was a nil-nil draw. They're both, all, you know, a bit of a way ahead at the moment. But Donny were one up, weren't they, at Fleetwood and lost 3-1. So they're all, they're all, you know, results that work well in our favour. And as you say, like, it's not an advantage having these games in hand. Like, it might look good on a, on the table if you're you know two a couple of points outside the top two or a couple of points outside the top six and you've got two or three games in hand but you're you've got no guarantees that they're going to be points and you got you got to you know try and pick those points up and we didn't do that and teams around us aren't and naturally it's going to involve a lot of fatigue as well because it is a congested season anyway we're cramming 46 games into a season that's what a month shorter something like that because we started later um so there are going to be issues uh, and there's, there is going to be fatigue and confidence and stuff. You know, when we were on a bit of a, a run of, of defeats, we, we looked like we couldn't couldn't get a result out of anything. And we're still in the top six. Um, and all we can do is focus on what we've got to do ourselves. I think the, the couple of midweeks off that we do have is going to benefit us massively because, as we're seeing now, a few players may be resting up and hopefully a few players coming back as well in the likes of Akin and hopefully Ryan in in the not-too-distant future as well. Um, so I think at the moment it, it sits fairly comfortable with us having uh, these other the other teams sort of playing catch-up because we've done what we can. We've, you know, we've lost a couple of those games and we're still sat in the top six. You know, I think we're what, a couple of points clear of Sunderland who have got a game in hand over us. We're on 43, you know, give it a couple of... Well, Doncaster have got about three games in hand over us, but they lost on Tuesday. So nothing's guaranteed in this division. We see it time and time again. So hopefully, you know, the the weeks off benefit us and the teams around us carry on, you know, sort of struggling with the, the additional game time. And But I think it is going to be a, a lot clearer picture of where we're going to be at the end of the season once you know everyone's on a level playing field but whether that actually happens this season in terms of a level playing field accurately you never really know because there's so many at the moment it's more weather postponements we haven't thankfully there's not been too many covid postponements of late in touch wood so you know once once the, the next couple of weeks are out of the way as you say it'll be a really good idea of where we're going to be at the end of the season but all we can do is control what we do and, and win the games that are in front of us and you know we've got a good little run now against sides in the uh, in, in the lower end of the table, which could be considered as easier points. But nothing in this division is easy, and we've we've got to make sure that we have that mentality and don't take other people's uh, league positions for granted and go into them half-hearted. Excellent stuff. Right, let's look ahead now to the game uh, with Gillingham with uh, Lee Bayer's views uh, on the match. Now uh, it was pointed out to Bo that our home form. Uh, is uh, considerably worse in our away form. We've taken 16 points from 12 home games this season. I think puts us about 16th in terms of points gained uh, at home. Uh, away from home, we've taken 27 points from 15 games. We've got the second best away record overall, obviously not taking into account how many games uh, people have played. Uh, but our home form has been uh, very poor. Well, 
reasonably poor this season, certainly compared to our waveform. Uh, Bo was asked if he wants to try and replicate that away form at the Valley. Yeah, because we've, we've dropped too many points at the Valley, Terry. We've, um, normally, that's that's where we are strong. Um, again, I'll echo the fans not being there doesn't help. But th- there's no excuse. If we can do it away from home, why can't we do it at home? Uh Again, when we play at home, do teams set up differently and and uh, try and hit us on the break, which is which has happened a few times. So um, that's something we've got to address. The weekend, uh, it's going to be completely different. Um, Gillingham play the way they play, and we're going to have to fight. We're going to have to compete. It's not going to be pretty at times, um, but at the same time. Once we win them battles, then we have to pass the ball. And I thought away from home, I thought like we watched the game back yesterday. Um, and I thought we'd done it really well. We should have won that game. Um, but what, what we had defenders, our midfielders, set pieces, we're going to have to defend our box well because there's a lot of balls that go into the box, whether it's from set pieces, whether it's from open play crosses, long throws, like they just pepper the box time after time after time. And we're going to need a bit of luck for ball, where balls drop, you know. Um, and we need the officials to be strong because there's no getting away from it. The penalty that they got away was never a penalty. Um, so we need the officials to, to be strong and not get influence from, from the sidelines. <laughs> which which is always likely, of course. I mean, you know what, as you say, you know what to expect Saturday with doing. The strange thing about that is, I mean, since we played them at Priestfield, We've pretty much got identical records. Both got 20 points. We've dropped, both dropped one place only. It sort of shows the craziness of the league. Uh, it's not just us that you can mirror that. The exception, I think, of Lincoln and probably Oxford. Everybody's done pretty much the same sort of thing. Um, but that game in itself, I mean, we, you know, we, um, we had a chance to take the lead. We didn't. Uh, they, you know, we should have got more than that as well, as you said. They then ended up taking the lead and we had to fight back. It, it almost um, mirrors our season, that one. So, uh, a missed opportunity, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was. And we have to rectify it on Saturday. Um, it's a game that, that we all believe that we can win. Uh, but we have to do the right things. We have to do the basics well again, Terry. The, the performance the weekend was solid. And it wasn't anything that we haven't been doing before. But we, we just cut out them, them sloppy mistakes. Um, so, yeah, once we do that, then we're a good side, like, you don't uh, use Rochdale when we play them at home. You score four goals at home and you don't win the game. Like, so you ain't doing too much wrong apart from silly mistakes, you know? Uh, so yeah, but once we cut them out and the weekend, to be fair, not just a weekend, maybe the two, three games, we've been good. Um, and once now we've cut them out, then now we can start, start progressing and, and moving up the league again. Lee Bo, you're there looking ahead to Saturday's home game uh, with the Jills at the Valley. Um, oh, where should we start? I mean, let's start on, on the form itself, the home form, uh, Nathan. Uh, I mean, obviously, the crowd issue is something that has, has played a part for everyone, not just yeah. us. Uh, do you, I, I don't know if you think that will play a part in it. Can, can you put your finger on why, do you, why our home form isn't quite as good as is as our away form has been this season? Or, or does it, is it just a coincidence? Does home and away not really mean anything in, in this day and age with, with no crowds there to, to make it make it an issue? Yeah, I think um, I, it probably has a little bit of a bearing, but I think Terry, uh, Terry had mentioned it the other day on one of the uh, 
uh, pressers with Bo about the swing of oh, home and away from previous seasons to now. Um, that I think a lot more teams don't really not have that fear, but I think they're probably a little bit more expansive away from home. I think with us, with teams, uh, usually I find, especially when you look at the Rochdales at home and then you look at the flip side of maybe like an MK away, we've set up in two different two different styles. And I think when we were quite expansive and we were quite weak defensively, I think teams were looking at it and go, get at them, you know, have a go at them because they are weak and they are prone to mistakes. And I think that's probably why our home form is probably suffering a little bit. Fans, possibly, but I wouldn't say that's the, the main factor. Um, I just think teams who are being a lot more braver uh, away from home than we probably used to see. And I remember the previous season in League One um, and years before that, even when we first came down here, I remember it was like the Oldhams and of the worlds they'll just sit 11 people behind the ball and literally just say they go come then break us down this year it's not like that I mean I can't remember the last time we conceded four at home from Rochdale um, so yeah it's, it's it's a crazy crazy league this year and anyone could be it makes it exciting but I think it's it goes across the whole of the football spectrum in England and probably everywhere in the world I just I just think it's the way that COVID's impacted the game which is great for the neutral but obviously not when you're conceding goals for fun like us yeah I think I think the point you made there about how we set up away from home defensively to be more organized that certainly sits sits well with me I think that 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 probably does explain actually a lot of of, a lot of our poor performances at home is because we go out we we go out and try and be expansive and we are we are error prone and whereas when we sit back and soak it up and we're a bit more organized we don't seem to make as many silly er- errors so that, I thought that was a really good point there now looking at the team news uh, ahead of of Saturday um Lewis uh, uh, Bo mentioned to Rich that it looks like it's going to be Ben Purrington that keeps his place at left back um I was, well I won't ask Nate about that because he he's not he's not <laughs> Purrington's biggest fan um but yeah it's, I'm not surprised by that as well I thought he played well against Rochdale and he's certainly I feel makes us more defensive, you know, more more organ. You know, we we look a better defensive unit when he's in the side. I I do think that Martin's better going forward. I don't I don't think that's up for debate really. But you know, considering we have been quite shaky defensively recently, and I guess Ian's looking tired, making some mistakes, and he does give the ball away a fair bit, even even though he does add a, a, a different dimension to us going forward. Um, are you are you surprised? Not surprised to see Perrington keeping his place. Uh, no, no, I'm not surprised at all, really. I think he played well on Saturday. It's, he's just a steady performer, isn't he, Perrington? Um, and as you say, defensively, we've struggled of late and maybe we have needed to, you know, maybe stop being that little bit adventurous like we have been with, you know, those runs forward that, that Ian Martin makes and just need someone to sort of sit there and, and mop up, which is what Perrington's been doing. And I think he's done a fairly decent job. Uh, the games that I've, and the performances that I've seen, apart from the, you know, the Blackpool game early on where he got a stupid, you know, yellow card and then got sent off just after they'd had someone sent off. Um, he's, he's looked okay and, and fairly sturdy. And, you know, there's been a few weeks where he's not even been around the squad. So, uh, Boya says, doesn't he, if you, you come in, you work your way into his team and, and take your chance. And, he, and I think he said today that, that Ben's taken his chance at the moment and that's why he's in there. So, I'm happy that he's that he's given another go. I do like Ian Matson as well. I think he's, as you say, much more threatening going forward. But I think where a defence has been lacking confidence of late and 
making silly mistakes and conceding silly goals. I think maybe we do need to just, you know, try and keep a solid back four up after picking up a you know a decent clean sheet last Saturday against Rochdale. Maybe it's in Bo's mind to try and keep that back four the same and, and keep the consistency going through it and build up a little bit of a relationship. Because I think where we've been forced to chop and change, I think we've said on the show before that it's hard to sort of build up those partnerships at the back. And after the impressive clean sheet on Saturday, you know, I don't know why you'd want to make a change at the back unless you were forced to through injury. So, yeah, I think I think Ben deserves his chance um, to play on Saturday and hopefully it will contribute to another clean sheet because the confidence from getting a couple in a row will will definitely help iron out some of those defensive mistakes. And I, and I thought our defensive display on Saturday against Rochdale was really good. And I thought the likes of Deji had a really good game and that's that all builds from confidence. So, yeah, I think it, I think it's the right thing to do. Mm, yeah, and, and another one that'll be interesting. I mean, if Akin isn't ready to come in, is whether Piercy keeps his place, Nath, because obviously he came he came in for the for the game against Rochdale, having made some mistakes in his last few performances. We have to we have to admit, unfortunately, when we saw Gunter go back out to right back, um, I thought Piercy played fine. So you'd assume he keeps his place, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think it's only fair if we sit there and criticise him when he does it wrong um, and probably deserve to be dropped when he comes in and doesn't put a foot wrong. You can't just then drop him again. I just think that it, it may, even though he's a leader and he's a, you know, he's a strong character, I just think it sends out the wrong message. I agree. I think keep the same as it is. Um, the good thing about, you know, apparently, you know, he did play well. I just think uh, the way I prefer football to be played, he doesn't fit into my way but you know I he's a steady 7 out of 10 most games and I think it just gives us that little bit of flexibility if we have to play a flat four which we have been recently I think you can put Ian in front of him and either move Chris out to the uh, to Miller out on the right hand side or put DJ out there so I think it gives it a little bit more balance um, and bringing Ian on if you're trying to attack the game it's not like he's he's not good, you know, in the offensive third. So, um, yeah, I think I think we should just keep the back four um, as it is. Whether or not we do or not, I don't know. But I don't see how you can, especially Deji. I thought he was brilliant on against Rochdale. So unchanged back four, obviously, and the keeper as well for me. Lovely stuff. Right. Uh, obviously, it's joining him the opponents. Uh, Boya d- <laughs> did say he wants to see a strong uh, refereeing performance because uh, we all know how Steve Evans and Paul Rayner can put uh, the officials under pressure. Um, I, I, I don't know if I can use this word on the podcast, but obviously he called Adam Matthews a prick over <laughs> over, <laughs> over at Gillingham when we played there. Oh, I'm going to have to decide if I want to bleep that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to run it past Ofcom or something. Um, so, uh, yeah, ho- hoping for a strong refereeing performance because, I mean, it works. We have It works. What what they do, it works with referees, Lewis, doesn't it? And we have to, we have to take that into account, unfortunately. Yeah, we do. Sadly, contesting with Steve Evans is a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? Because he is, you know, a bit of a loud mouth and and it does cause problems. And yeah, the insult with with Adam Matthews last time was quite funny, but it's like pot kettle coming from him, isn't it, really? But um yeah, I mean we we we've got to make sure that you do have a, a strong refereeing performance to deal with characters like Steve Evans because I think you know, it said like the last time we played when we played Peterborough and he was in charge. I know the the press conference afterwards was, you know, the famous, you know, the big geezer. But he was right, you know, Bo, with with what he says. He it it can be intimidating having someone like that, you know, shouting and screaming at you every five seconds every time a decision maybe doesn't go your way or a tackle's made that you may think is is harsher than it is. And but, you know, at the same time, our our players are not stupid, they've just got to deal with that. But unfortunately the the level of refereeing um in League One isn't isn't the greatest and I think Bo's maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking 
thinking that you're going to get a, an overly strong refereeing performance um, because we don't see those very often in, uh, in our division. But it's, I think mainly it's how our players cope with him as well. I think they they dealt with it well last time. They don't they don't let him get in you know get into their heads or anything and just focus on the task at hand. So that's all we can do. And and whether we we get a decent referee or whatever remains to be seen. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, we can keep Evans quiet at the weekend and just, you know, go, go ahead, go three up at half time or something and keep him stum. But whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But I think, I think we're, we're clever enough to deal with the way he acts and, and Bowyer as well. He's not stupid. He, he knows how Steve Evans works and tries to intimidate. And I think we'll be well prepared for it. Excellent stuff. Right. We've run out of time on this week's uh, big match preview. Thanks to all of you uh, who've listened to the show. I, I think we should just get some predictions actually ahead of the game. Uh, looking forward to hearing, of course, Steve Evans. With that's the only benefit of having no crowd is that you can hear Steve Evans call Adam Matthews. A so looking forward to that. But um, uh, let's get some predictions. Nathan first. I'm going to go for three nil Charlton. I've got to think we're going to start uh, attacking wise. We're going to tear him a new one. Nice, nice. Fit a few of them in Steve Evans actually. Couldn't you and uh, Lewis? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two nil Charlton lovely stuff right uh, that is the end uh, thanks to all of you like I said who've listened to the show thanks to Nathan and to Lewis for joining me on this week's big match preview cheers, no boys. worries mate cheers good to have you both uh, I've been Louis Mendes thanks for listening we'll be back on Sunday to look back at whatever happens against the Jills but until then we shall see you later Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.